all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Nursing and Preventive Medicine at UMMC. And here with me today is a colleague and friend, uh, Dr. Leisha Lee. She is an assistant professor of nursing, and she's also one of our wellness ambassadors at UMC. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means in just a minute. But we're talking about healthy holidays today. And, you know, sometimes I get look, weird looks when I say that that's what we're going to talk about. But it is important to try and be as healthy as possible during the holidays. And it's not just about food. There are lots of other things that go into having a healthy holiday season, and we're going to cover those today. And if you want to join in our conversation or you have uh, a tip or a trick about how to have that healthy holiday, we want to talk with you. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can shoot me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Leisha. Good morning, Josie. How are you doing today? I'm great. Even though it started to spit a little bit of rain on us as we were walking in. I'm not real sure where that came from, but um, it is uh, lovely temperature-wise outside today. Not too hot, not too cold. And uh, I'm so glad that you're here with me today. I wanted you to come on as one of our wellness ambassadors for UMC. Tell me what the heck that means to be a wellness ambassador. So that just means that um, I'm a champion for wellness and for health, and I uh, try to keep up with all the things that are going on around the campus that have to do with being healthy and fit. And I try to post little reminders to everybody. Um, We've also started... a biggest loser contest at the School of Nursing, and it's the holiday edition, which it seems kind of like an oxymoron. But really, the main thing is to, if you want to lose a few pounds before the holidays start, we're going to try to help you do that. If not, if we can just help you maintain where you're at so that you don't have such a lot of work to do when January 1st rolls around. So that's been kind of successful. We're going to go through January 9th. And then uh, we'll start another Biggest Loser in the spring to help everybody get those pounds off. Get those pounds back off. And I love when we talk about uh, maintain, not gain. Right. And that's so important on the holiday season. When you look at uh, the literature out there, most folks gain at least a pound, if not two or three pounds in the holiday season. And, you know, holiday season, we're talking October-ish with, with Halloween yes. through uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the new year. And most folks of those that gain that weight don't lose that weight and so it just kind of tacks on Mm -hmm. and so when I talk to folks about trying to maintain not gain during the holidays and people say but it's just once a year Uh, well it is once a year but those pounds hang around with you and that once per year adds up year after year after year yes 
And it's harder to get those pounds off than than just preventing from gaining them to start with. And I'm not trying to spoil anybody's fun. You can still have a fun um, holiday season, uh, still eat things that taste yummy and delicious. But really, it's going to be about portion control. And we're going to talk about that uh, in a little bit. But what I want to start with is germs, because, you know, the holidays fall smack dab in the middle of flu season. And the flu gets a lot of press, but there are other nasties going on this time of year as well. Yeah. Yeah. Strep um, is going around uh, this time of the year. Of course, it's always there, but it seems to flare up a lot in the the winter months. Um, RSV, which we'll talk about because both you and I are pediatric nurses, so Mm -hmm. we have a a lot of history with RSV, and we'll talk a little bit about what that is. Um, Just plain old colds and the crud and feeling icky, and then the dreaded stomach virus. Yes. You know, I was out of town uh, during Thanksgiving week, and I was really glad I was out of town because almost every Every friend on my friend list on Facebook was posting about the stomach virus. Yes, it was pretty bad. Yes. And so I was glad to have dodged that little uh, wave of uh, of the stomach virus there. But the principles, principles behind all of these things and the way we prevent illness are the same. So there's kind of a, a chain of transmission that has to happen. Talk to me about that chain of transmission. Well, you have to have, you know, the, the bug is everywhere. Every kind of bug you can think of is everywhere, and it just has to have a way to get into your body so that, you know, it can be living on surfaces, doorknobs, other people's hands. You know, during the holidays when family and friends are around, we're hugging, we're kissing, we're shaking hands with with everybody. And if you've been coughing and sneezing into that hand and then share the love with everyone in your family, then everyone's going to come down with some sort of illness if they don't have a good, strong immune system. You know, I think of my father right now because he had surgery earlier this year. So his immune system is kind of shot right now. He really hasn't gained all that back. And he's been really scared to be around family and friends during the holidays because he's scared he'll catch something. Mm -hmm. And and little ones as well. You know, babies have uh, weaker immune systems than than we do. And so everybody wants to love on that new baby Mm -hmm. at, at the holiday time and pass it around and give it a kiss. But really, no, don't not, do that. Not a good you idea. know, um, I of course was a, a hyper mom, which you know, and you know, I just, people just don't don't kiss on my little critters when they're like that. And also thinking about where you touch them, you know, don't yes. touch those babies on their faces, don't touch them on their hands because mm-hmm. a baby is going to put their hands directly into uh, their mouth. That's what yes. they do. And so, you know, if you want to touch a baby, pat it on the foot, you yeah. know, and that kind of stuff. And make sure you wash your hands, or if you're sick, just don't just stay don't away. Do that, and that brings me to RSV, which is what I, I really yes. want to talk about because it's one that we don't necessarily talk about as much as we do something like the flu or the stomach virus. Mm-hmm. So RSV, respiratory syncytial virus, um, is uh, very very common in children under the age of two. Um, it's not as common in older kids, and mainly because symptoms of RSV in an older kid are just like a cold, a common you know, cold. common cold. So it's not that maybe kids don't have RSV when they're older. It's just we don't test for it because it mm-hmm. just looks like a cold. But in little ones or in kids who have a depressed out immune system, it can be dangerous. Yes. And so RSV season is about October to Marchish mm-hmm. or, or so in there. And what does RSV look like? RSV looks like a lot 
of snot, basically. Yes, it really does. It really you have, does. If you've, you know how children, you know, when they have a cold, that nose is constantly running. Well, this is that times a million. Yeah. Those little babies, they primarily breathe through their noses. And when they're bottle fed, you know, they have their mouth to suck on a bottle and they need their nose to breathe. And when it's full of snot, snot they just can't breathe, and so they don't eat well. They breathe really, really fast, and they just tire out really fast. They usually have fever. They get dehydrated and usually wind up in the hospital. And, of course, they have to be on isolation precautions, and um, it's very easy for them to spread it from one child to another. If they have other children in the home, it's usually spread through the house. Um, in hospitals, we have to be really careful as nurses and um, healthcare workers because it can get on our clothes if we hold a baby or handle them and then mo- go into another baby's room. We can pass it to that baby. And before you know it, you've got a whole floor that is sick with RSV. So it really can be bad. And it's pretty much the same season as the flu season, mm-hmm. like you said. And there can be flu positive and RSV positive uh, kiddos. And yes. those are really sick little kiddos out there. So uh, if you guys have a tip on how to stop the spread of infection this holiday season, we'd love to hear from you or any of other questions or tips about having a healthy holiday, you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 So regardless of the pathogen or the, the germ, the first way that an infection starts is getting out of whoever has the, the germ, you know, getting a portal of exit from whoever is contagious. And so the most common ways of that is going to be some kind of saliva or respiratory secretion. Yes. So the coughing, the sneezing, the snotting, uh, and the, then the spreading. And so just like you mentioned, it can be on your hands or it can be on a, a an object, a surface object. And so, you know, of course, you know, I'm pretty hyper about uh, the sneezing and the coughing and the wiping of the nose and how that should occur. And most folks, when you see them out, or at least I only see these folks, they cough or sneeze into their hands. Yes. Uh, and then then touch the things, yes. you know, and everything that you sneezed out or coughed out is now uh, being spread around. Everywhere you touch. And kids uh, touch that, put it in their mouths, bring it home, spread it around to their families, those kinds of things. Um, so I know you know my song that I sing all the time, which is Cough Into Your Elbow. Finish it up for me. That is where the germs go. That's right. That is, that is my little jingle there. Cough Into Your Elbow, that is where the germs go. And you got to be careful with that. I mean, you want to make sure that you actually get it in your elbow and don't just sneeze at the person behind you because yes. <laughs> that'll make an enemy in line anywhere you are. Um, but one thing that I want to, uh, I'm actually planning to do a little short video is I'm going to put some chocolate syrup in my mouth. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sneeze on my hands and then I'm going to touch paper on the wall. Excellent So idea. that you can see really what happens when you, when you do that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you're going to use your hands to sneeze or cough, then, you know, put some tissues in your hands, that kind of thing. And always, 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 always wash, wash. your hands afterwards. So that number one tip for preventing the spread of infection is hand washing. Yes. So how long should you wash your hands for? Well, you need to wash them for about two minutes or as long as it takes to sing happy Mm -hmm. birthday to yourself. Mm -hmm. Or you can sing, you know, the ABC song or whatever. But you really need to, you need to wet them well. You need to foam up really good. Get lots of bubbles and suds Mm -hmm. when you scrub them and scrub between your feet. 
excuse me, between your fingers and then rinse really, really well and dry well and make sure those paper towels go into the garbage. And speaking of paper towels, you want to use paper towels during this time of year rather than those cute little hand towels because that's just another way to transmit germs. Yeah. So you can get really cute decorative uh, paper napkins that go in uh, your bathrooms or on the kitchen counter now for your guests to use. But, you know, if you I have found if you put out a decorative towel, it does not matter how many times you tell people that's decorative, don't use that. Um, I think my kids just grin as they uh, wipe their hands on that. So you really do want to use some paper products uh, to prevent the spread of that. And you mentioned um, sudsing up really well. And part of that's with warm water. Uh, You know, warm water just suds is better than, I don't think that's a word, but it just, it suds up better than than cold water does. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be boiling hot. You actually don't want it to be because you actually can cause some uh, cuts and abrasions in your skin when you use water that that dries them out. Yeah. And then you can get a skin infection from Mm -hmm. that. Trust us, nurses. We know we know, we know how to wash some hands now because we wash them a lot. Um, but kind of you know, warm water, lots of soap. You mentioned in between um, the fingers. Think about around your fingernails mm-hmm. as well. Um, dry cuticles will hang on to germies like nobody's business. Yes. And then don't forget your wrist as well to kind of go up your arm and get your wrist. Push your watch up out of the way. Get that wrist really good. Rinse really well. And don't fling your hands. That's yes. what I see folks do all the time. They rinse their hands and then they they shake them like a like a puppy dog yeah. getting out of the bathtub. And I'm just thinking, I don't necessarily trust your hand washing skills enough not to think that you just flung germs everywhere. Yes. So don't fling your hands. Just uh, pat them dry with paper towels. And then the part that I see folks forget about the most is using a paper towel to cut off the sink, uh, yes. cut off the water with. Very good idea. You've got to think your hands were, were dirty when you started. Mm-hmm. So if you touch that dirty faucet, um, then you've just kind of recontaminated your hands. Now, there, exactly. are, I know there are people out there thinking she is nuts. But that is the way we, that's the way we do it in healthcare. That's how we learn. Um, and that really is the best way. So you usually can tell a nurse in the bathroom with you at a, at a restaurant because we're the ones cutting that sink off with a, a paper towel. And I go that extra step and I use a paper towel to open the the door, the door to, yes. the, to the restaurant as well. My favorite restaurants are the ones that have the push doors. Yes. I'm like, see, this is smart. We don't even or have to the have little, a, uh, the little kick. Yeah, the little that you t- can pull yeah. with your foot. Um, this this is my kind of place where I don't have to touch anything after I've washed my hands yes. from that. So those are all. Um, Really good ways to get those hands good and clean. And then what if you don't have soap and water or access to soap and water? You can use an alcohol wipe club or um, foam. Yeah, a you foam. Know, they make all kinds of gels and foams, and they're small. You can clip them on your backpack if you're a student. You can put them in your purse and um, just take that out. And you have to use that the same way. You have to use a lot of friction. You have to cover all of the surfaces. Don't forget your wrist. And then you have to let it dry. Before so you that, go touching um, all over it, stuff. It disinfects better after it dries. And you can set a few of those bottles out um, around your home if you're mm-hmm. having guests over. Just kind of a uh, gentle reminder to, yes. to use that. Uh, we were talking before the show, and I was telling you about one of the local um, 
party areas in town for kids' birthday parties. Um, when you're moving from the play area into where the cake and, and food is served, uh, the little workers there stand right there with the bottle of hand sanitizer. And before a kid can go in there, they are uh-huh. sanitizing those kids up. And this mama's heart smiles when I see that. I'm like, well, at least we're trying. At yes. least we're, we're smacking <laughs> something on there to try and kill some of those germs out there. So if you've got questions or uh, tips about how to prevent the spread of infection this holiday season, we would love to talk with you. When we come back, we're going to be talking about stress at the holidays and how we can kind of manage that so that we'll have the healthiest holiday possible. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, and here with me today is Dr. Alicia Lee, who is a faculty member at the School of Nursing and a wellness ambassador for UMMC. And we're talking about strategies for having a healthy holiday season. We've been uh, talking about germs and how to prevent the spread of infection uh, this holiday season. And we've been, uh, we're going to talk about stress and how to cope with that in a minute. But we did have an email that came in um, from Becky who was asking about traveling and how to prevent the spread of germs. She said that she's got, her family lives uh, out of town and she's going to be flying for the holidays. And she always seems to get sick uh, when she's on an airplane, which I hear you, me too. Um, and What's the cause of that and why why is that happening? Well, when you look at um, airplanes and traveling uh, that way, one of the one reason that it, that you seem to get sick more often is the fact that the humidity in the air the air that circulates in the airplane is different than our humidity is. so it's it's actually um, uh, drier uh, in in that recirculated air, and so I mean most folks realize that because their eyes get dried out and kind of mm-hmm. itchy, and their nose kind of feels uh, dry and stuffy. But what that does for uh, from an immunity standpoint is it uh, dries out the mucus layer of your respiratory tract, and that thing is there for a reason. What does that mucus layer do? It actually helps move infectious things. Out, out of the system. Right. So it traps it and then helps you cough it up, sneeze it out, all those right. kinds of things. So just by the fact that that air is drier, um, that increases our risk for getting an infection. So you can use things like nasal saline mm-hmm. um, to keep that moist, a little bit of Vaseline on a Q-tip around the inside of the uh, nasal passage and drinking lots of water. water. Yes. And you know, I know it's tempting uh, to get the little tiny bottles of liquor on the airplane, uh, but you need a bottle of water uh, as well uh, to stay as hydrated as possible with yes. that. And we'll talk about some of the other uh, germies that are hanging out on an airplane in just a minute, but we've got a couple of calls. So I want to go talk to Kathy and Natchez. Good morning, Kathy. 
Good morning. How are y'all? We're fine. Great. How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. It's a beautiful day so far. I got a little rain, like you said. Just like a little sprinkle. For a second. Yeah, but that's it. So it's doing good now. But I have a comment. Okay. I got a question. Okay. So my comment is um, I go to the different Walmarts with my job, and I was sitting in the parking lot one day, and I looked up at one of the uh, grocery carts, mm-hmm. and it was birds all over the part where you hold. Mm-hmm. And I thought about the thing. Sometimes I see, you know, with some people when they come into Walmart, it might be just an individual and they wipe the cart down, mm-hmm. but I don't see it a lot. Right. But then I thought about with the birds, they could carry so many germs. I'm not sure if it's a large extent, but it is important to wipe it down because you think about how many uh, toddlers are put in that uh, seat. And they're holding on to their buggy and everything, and, and that's scary thinking about that. Yes, it is. The, the buggy, um, me and the buggy have a love-hate relationship. I, yes. I usually <laughs> I usually say, I don't need a buggy. I'm just going to carry stuff. And then I look like I'm playing some kind of grocery store game as who can carry the most stuff without yes. dropping it on the floor. Guilty. Uh, so, uh, you know, I I am definitely one of the ones that's the wiper of, of the cart. And not just the handrail. I'm wiping the whole anything I think I might touch. I'm wiping it down with that. Um, yeah. But, you know... Apart from, you know, the fact that there are birds and things lighting on it, when you look at what is growing on those handrails, it's things like MRSA, the flu, the common cold viruses, and there's actually fecal bacteria on there, like poop bacteria on there that causes uh, stomach viruses. So it is an excellent idea to wipe those down um, with a good wipe before you put a kid in there, before you put your hands on there. And then I was the mom that always had one of those um, little covers that you can put down in there, one of those little cloth covers that you can put down in there to put those kiddos in there. So definitely Definitely a good tip to wipe that down. Did you have another question? Yeah, my other question was, my sister told me that you cannot get an ear infection by by wearing somebody's else earplugs if they have an ear infection. That's true. Okay. Well, it depends on the type of ear infection. So when we're talking ear infections, you can have something called an otitis externa, which is an infection in the canal of the ear. And then the more common ear infections or what people think of as an ear infection is something called otitis media, which is actually behind the eardrum um, and in that little uh, canal that runs behind there. So if somebody has otitis media and it's behind that eardrum, the chance of, of of getting uh, an ear infection from somebody else's earplugs would be on the lower side um, because it's contained behind that eardrum. If it's an otitis externa and the infection is on the in the canal of the ear, then absolutely anything that goes in that ear could then be transferred to somebody else's ear. And those are often um, fungal in nature. Those yes, um, isn't externs. that what they usually call swimmers? That's ear what they too? call swimmers ear. Yeah. Um, and so it's you know very very painful. Sometimes there's drainage in that area. Mm-hmm. So you know my. Uh, personal rule on that is don't stick anything of anybody else's in any of your spots um, because you have to think things that might be causing any of those ear infections, even the otitis media, um, are usually colds uh, and sinus infection type stuff. It backs up uh, into those canals and the 
bacteria or the viruses that are causing those are definitely transmittable um, by close contact. Uh, so we, when we're in the hospital, uh, and you'll often see uh, us clean off our stethoscope ears before we um, use them, especially if it's a, a common stethoscope that's hanging in a room, because I'm just not sticking anything in my ear that went in somebody else's. That's my that's my view on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, could you repeat you said, uh, the, the two different types? Is- yes. Otitis externa, like external, okay. and that's like swimmer's ear. And then there's otitis media, which is what most folks consider an ear infection. Okay, but you would get it from the... External. More likely, you would have transmission of a of a infection through the externa. Okay, got it. Thank you so much, and I enjoy your show. Well, thank you for listening. Okay. All right, we're going to go to Savannah, Tennessee, and talk with Ann this morning. Good morning, Ann. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Well, thank you for calling. Where is Savannah, Tennessee? It's um, about equidistant between Nashville and Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. It's, um, it's a little harbor town right on the Tennessee River. You should come visit sometime. Well, I would love to. I love Tennessee. <laughs> anyway, um, you were talking about, I'm so glad you're having this show today about staying safe and healthy during the holidays, especially with everyone visiting each other, family and friends from 1 to 91 and everything. But, um we were visiting a family member who just recently had surgery for MRSA, mm-hmm. and it is contained yes. um, in a contained area, all that. But just because you want to be extra safe during the holidays, I wanted to know how to be proactive for everyone's health um, when you're together. You know, just like we've been talking about, hand washing is going to be the biggest way um, to prevent the spread of any of these types of things. Now, when you're talking about MRSA, uh, which is methicillin-resistant staph aureus, um, you know, staph is on our skin. It's everywhere. Everywhere. Um, And the majority of it doesn't cause a problem, but MRSA is resistant to a lot of the antibiotics that we use and tends to cause more... um, more difficult to treat infections, deeper uh, skin structure infections. When you're talking about preventing MRSA, one of the biggest ways is to know where the MRSA is. Yes. You know, if it's a skin MRSA, like they had an abscess or uh, something like that, if we can keep that area covered uh, mm-hmm. with a dressing and then also with clothing, mm-hmm. that's going to be um, mm-hmm. a, a, the best way to to prevent the spread of that. Right. Now, with some of our um, children that are immunocompromised from other uh, disorders like cystic fibrosis and that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, they'll often have MRSA in their sputum, in their, yes. their respiratory secretions. And so for that, if they're going to be around, you know, in close contact with other people who are immunocompromised, sometimes they actually have to wear a mask for that um, right. type of situation. Um, but most cases of MRSA are going to be a skin-related. Yeah, yeah. And so if we can like keep that. that area covered, um, not only with clothing, but with the dressing as well in case, to soak up any uh, drainage that may be coming from the area, that's going to be the best way. And then good old and soap washing. and water and really washing around the nails um, and um, around the cuticles and around the, the wrists and in between the fingers is going to be the best option for that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and conversely, if a visitor has some type of um, cut or scrape or open wound, they should keep that covered too Correct. As well. Yes, correct. Right. 
Okay. Yes, absolutely. They should definitely keep that. Uh, anything open, uh, an open sore or a cut should be covered as well. Yes, and keep in mind that a wet Band-Aid is not a good Band-Aid. Right. So if you're going to be, if you have something <laughs> on your fingers or your hands and you're washing your hands constantly, you're going to have to change that Band-Aid every time it gets wet because everything that's underneath that Band-Aid is now coming through it, through that water. The water wicks that's it on bad. through. That's a good thing. A wet Band-Aid is it's basically not a Band-Aid anymore. That's right. No. So, yeah, the, and then, then the, um, the women are always, well, as a rule, and they're uh, washing dishes and loading the dishwasher and never yep. have dry hands on yes. those. So, so yeah. gloves would help. Simple. Yeah, a glove would help. Um, and then also what I use if I get a, a cut on my hand is actually the Band-Aids that are made for blisters, like mm-hmm. what you put on the, on the back of your foot. I'll actually put one of those on. On yes. And then put my gloves on if I'm mm-hmm. going to be doing dishes or something like that, just in case any water kind of seeps through the yes, the top of the glove, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a wonderful tip. You all are you all are, are, are amazing. You're a treasure trove. Thank you so oh, well, much. Well, thank you for Thanks. that. Now that just made my day. So thank you for making my Monday a little bit better. Thank you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to, to you as well. All right, we've got a call from Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, listen, um, that lady, I mean, she stole my thunder. Oh, no. Y'all can reiterate, (laughs) you know, for us again, please, because you do such a great job. Well, thank Um, you. uh, Really, and I appreciate it so thoroughly. Um, uh, uh, Yes, what is reasonably cautious? Because... uh, Okay, as far as protecting the children, of course we want to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm one of a, more than a half dozen kids, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, a bunch of them turned out to be 6'4". Um, <laughs> Goodness. Uh, so, yeah, so they were, they were not, we weren't, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> it speaks for itself. Uh, and my mother kind of had to, had to adopt the attitude because she was also a full-time working mother. A full-time job mother. I don't. All mothers are working mothers. Yes, they are. Um, yes. Uh, but uh, but she had to adopt the attitude that a little dirt don't hurt. Right. You know. So as far as the children, um, uh, basically we looked at it like, okay, it's building your immune system. You know, your right. immune system. There you go. So, um, uh, but. When it comes to things like, as the previous lady spoke, um, uh, MRSA and those sorts of uh, things, I mean, it's it's probably more of a uh, more concern for folks who are elders or otherwise mm-hmm. immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is reasonable? What is reasonable? Reasonable. Other than washing hands. Right. Washing hands, washing hands, washing right. hands. Yes, ma'am. Yes. And, you know, we say that for a reason because in every medical textbook there is, when it when it talks about infection, the number one uh, intervention is hand washing yes. to prevent the spread of that. We can link that back to uh, infections acquired in the hospital. We know that the higher the rate of hand washing, the, the less rate there is of transfer of germs. So when we're talking about being reasonably cautious, my rule is you want to Think about it, but you don't want to let it control your thoughts. You can't wash your hands every few minutes. That's Mm -hmm. not healthy. But there are times when we definitely want folks to wash their hands. And that's before we eat Mm -hmm. and then 
after we eat, which is one we don't often think about, mm-hmm. but you're getting spittle and stuff on your hands when you're yes. eating. So before you eat, after you eat, and then when you use the restroom, those are the big ones. And then anytime that you know you're going to be in contact with people that maybe you're not normally in contact with, because they're bringing in a whole new crop of germs that you're not used to you know all of our homes and family members we've got our own flora or our own you know kind of microbes that live on us but when we start interacting with a whole bunch of other folks um they bring bring all theirs to the party too so you know just like we were talking about the shopping carts if you're going to be going out and touching something that you know a ton of folks have been touching it's a good idea to wipe that down now that doesn't mean every time you pick up something off the shelf at the grocery store that the that you then have to wash your hands but i do wash them when i get back in the car with a little hand sanitizer um there um you know uh we were in disney for for thanksgiving and and some of that i have to let go of my kind of craziness about germs because they're they're just there your you know your kids are getting on rides that multiple other kids have gotten on they're touching handrails and all this kind of stuff and so what we chose to do is after a ride when they got off the ride we'd give them a little hand sanitizer you know just to reinforce with them that you know being having hand hygiene is important but not freaking out every time they touch Mm -hmm. something because that's going to set them up for being afraid of life and we don't want that to happen so you know my answer to that is be intentional but don't let it drive uh, your entire thought process going on there and you know if someone's sick then they just they gotta keep it to themselves quarantine them a little bit yeah so they're not all up in everybody's faces Mm -hmm. because we do have to protect the uh, most fragile of of us which are our little kiddos and our uh, adults who have weakened out immune systems um, people who may be getting chemotherapy things like that so i hope that was helpful for you mikey and i always enjoy uh, talking with you you still there with me Nope, think I lost you. All right. Well, it was good talking with you today, Mikey. And it's been great talking with everybody. And we've uh, been talking about these germs. And we had a, an email uh, from someone who had asked about airplanes. And we talked a little bit about the kind of humidity of the air and why that makes you more prone to uh, an infection. But there are some things in the airplane that are just dirtier than others. And we usually think about bathrooms as being that case. And absolutely, the airplane bathroom can be gross Mm -hmm. but that is one of the areas that gets the most attention between flights Mm -hmm. so you know the flight attendants are and the crew are going to spend extra time using disinfectant in that area and making sure that's clean so if it's you're on a prolonged flight you know hours and hours and hours it's going to get dirtier as it goes but it starts out pretty pretty good Mm -hmm. but some areas that may not get quite as good of a a cleansing uh one is that tray table yes Uh, and the armrest and the armrest tray tables and armrests um the buckles yes and we often don't think about yes the vent overhead and the light up there are all areas that they may get wiped down but it may not be with disinfectant it may certainly not between flights right so uh, those are areas, you know, when we look at actual studies that have uh, cultured those different surface, mm-hmm. surfaces, the tray tables, the uh, seatbelt buckles, and the overhead controls have more germs uh, on them than the bathroom flush handle does. Amazing. So, you know, I just keep those little um, Clorox wipes yes. in my bag, and I just 
wipe that little and, situation and down. And I don't care if people look at me crazy. I'm just wiping it down and, and getting it done. And then interestingly enough, the aisle seat is also the um, germiest of the seats because mm. everybody touches the side of it when they, they walk, walk by when they walk down the aisle. So another reason to try and get that uh, coveted window seat right there. But don't rest your head against the window because it's, yeah. it's not looking too good either. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take uh, a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about stress. And then I want to talk about food and nutrition because those are some big uh, points uh, in uh, having a healthy holiday. If you want to call us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. We're talking all things healthy holidays today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. My guest is Leisha Lee. She's a faculty member at the School of Nursing and a wellness ambassador for UMC. And we have had a lively discussion this morning about how to prevent the spread of germs this holiday season so that we can be as healthy as possible to enjoy um, our family, our friends, and the good food that is out there for the holidays. And if you want to join in our conversation, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring or you can send me an email at fit at mpbonline.org. Now, very briefly, I want to talk about stress at the holidays because it is a real thing. Um, and it's usually, um, you know, everybody likes to think it's it's family dynamics, but it's a lot of times just we feel overwhelmed. Whelmed. You know, we're, uh, if we're hosting the meal at our home or if we're cooking to take to different areas, it just seems overwhelming when you think about all the things that you have to do. Um, my kind of number one tip for that is settle for good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Right. You know, um, very rarely when I think back to all the holidays that I spent with uh, family through the years, never, uh, my memories are not of that perfectly decorated tree. That's, that's not what's out there. I remember the tree and I remember it being beautiful in my eyes, especially as a Mm -hmm. child, but you know, that every single thing coordinated and every ornament was hung in just the right spot Mm -hmm. was not, um, not my, my biggest memory. And if you have a cat that, 
ain't going to happen anyway, (laughs) because my cat is destroying uh, the bottom third of my tree. So I have a a naked tree on the bottom and all the (laughs) ornaments are clumped on the top because that thing. And you wouldn't think how high they can reach, but they can get on up there. Um, So what's your thoughts thoughts on stress for the holidays? Well, you know, I like to I'm a list person. Mm -hmm. So if I know I'm going to be really busy during the holidays with lots of things to do, I try to make myself list. And I'll have, you know, if I'm going to my mom's for Christmas Eve, then I make a list of everything that I need to do before I go, everything that I need to get in the car to take with me. And then, you know, I do the same thing for the next day when we go to my husband's family. And that seems to help me. If I have something that I can cross out cross and tick yeah. off, I may still be a little worked up trying to get everything done. But if I have a list to follow, then I don't stress about forgetting things. And and like you said, good enough is definitely good enough. Right. If you planned to make four different side items and you only get to three, it's going to be okay. There will be more than enough food there to eat. There will be more than enough food to eat, I promise. The The... My tip on getting ready for preparing food and that kind of stuff is write out your menu, you yes. know, and the things that you're going to be responsible for. And even if it's something that you have made a million times, like let's say you make green bean casserole every year and you know that recipe like the back of your hand, go ahead and beside that, like I make two columns. I make my food on one side and then ingredients on the other. And I write down every single ingredient that I would need to make whatever it is I'm going to make, mm-hmm. it, even down to olive oil, salt and pepper, all that kind of good stuff. And then I go through the cabinets. Make sure you have it. And make sure I have all of that before I head out to the store. Because there is nothing worse than being halfway in a recipe and you get yes. reach for something that you always have and it's not there. Like you right. and I, we're bakers. And mm-hmm. so we always have flour and sugar. I mean, there's just almost yes. never a time where there's not flour and sugar. But this time last year, I was making something for a bake sale and I went to grab my flour. I already had all my wet ingredients mixed up. I had about a half a cup of flour left. Mm-hmm. You know, it just was not enough to get uh, get what I needed. So then, you know, of course, uh, emergency run to the grocery store. And then you buy a whole bunch of stuff you didn't actually need when you run yes. to the grocery store. So uh, kind of just writing that list down will just kind of decrease some of those stressors. Yes. Uh, same deal for presents. Make a list um, for presents and yes. don't go nuts, mm-hmm. you know. My kids' first couple of Christmases, we were nuts. You know, I mean, we bought, you know, oh, they'll love this. Oh, they'll love this. Oh, they'll love this. And they don't play with the vast majority of that. So I was out uh, with some friends yesterday, and one of them was telling me how they control their spending with their kids for Christmas. Have you heard of the four gift thing? So it's one thing to um, that you want, Mm -hmm. one thing that you need, one thing to wear, and one thing to read, which I thought was very, very cool there. Um, Because, you know, and it can be you can think outside the box, Mm -hmm. like what she got her kid for the uh, thing to wear was a watch. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be boring stuff like clothes and hats and gloves and that kind of stuff or really terrible sweaters that Mm -hmm. you're never going to wear again. Right. So that's a good way to kind of narrow it down. And the kids uh, get excited about, okay, I'm opening my, you know, what I need box Mm -hmm. right now. So that was a good way to kind of keep it in perspective there. Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about the food because that is uh, really the biggest part of of the holiday for most folks. It's my favorite as well. I love um, good food, uh, and I want to make sure that I balance my plate out so that I can have some of those good foods without going into a food 
coma. Um, The first part of healthy eating at the holiday that I want to talk about is just food safety, though, Mm -hmm. because it can be a real downer if everybody gets uh, food poisoning from the holiday meal. That is not that's the gift that keeps on giving, but not one that you necessarily want to have. So um, turkeys are usually for some families, a Thanksgiving thing and a ham ham is a Christmas thing. Mm -hmm. My family does both Mm -hmm. uh, at both things. They you know, we've got turkey lovers and we've got ham lovers. So Um, With that turkey, uh, what I see people go wrong on a lot is how you thaw that sucker. So what's the best way to thaw a turkey? Definitely not on the counter. That's right. Or and in the in the sink. That's or in another. the microwave. Yes, yes. Please you cannot don't thaw a turkey there. in the microwave. Don't do you that. need to you need to buy early right. and you need to put it in a pan on the very bottom of your refrigerator for at least two to three days for it to defrost. Or you can do like I do and just buy a fresh one and then you don't have to worry about right. that. Or what I do um, is I actually skip the big bird and buy turkey breasts. Yes. Uh, because uh, most folks in my family don't eat the dark meat mm-hmm. anyway. They don't eat the legs and the wings and that kind of stuff. They just all are clamoring for the breast. Mm-hmm. So I just cut out the middleman and get the turkey breast. They're going to cook quicker. Yes. Uh, and they're actually going to be, you know, overall a healthier option. You're going to mm-hmm. have less calories in that white meat than you're going to have in, in the dark meat. Um, so they cook quicker. They take less time to thaw. And you don't have a whole bunch. Then you don't have this carcass sitting on your table that you're trying to figure out, what am I going to do with this thing? Oh, I always uh, make You make stock. stock. I know you make stock with yours. But you're a better uh, you're a better mommy than me. So uh, I, I do not have my stock game uh, on point <laughs> yet. But one day I'll get there. But that that's kind of how I do it. Or what we did for Thanksgiving um, were uh, turkey tenderloins. And we put those in the smoker and oh, did yeah. turkey tenderloins. They were Yum. great um, that way. The other thing with the turkey is there's usually a, a hotbed of, of uh, difference of opinions as to whether it's stuffing or dressing. Mm-hmm. Now, here in the South, most of us call it dressing. dressing. And that's what I grew up with. But there are some folks who still think stuff needs to get stuffed up in the bird. Uh, and there are some problems with that when we stuff yes. things up in the bird. Uh, yes. What can be the problem with that? Well, most of the time people will overstuff the bird and it just doesn't have enough room for that heat to get in there and thoroughly cook all of those ingredients. So if you're just determined to stuff the bird, just put a little bit of stuffing in the bird cavity and let it bake with the bird while it cooks. And then do the rest of it in a pan so that you're sure to have fully cooked bird and stuffing or dressing, whichever you call it, and nobody gets sick from it. Yeah. And the problem that I see with stuffing is that to get it to the right temperature, so we're trying to get everything to 165 degrees, um, to get uh, the stuffing to that temperature, you would have to overcook the the turkey and so it gets dry and not not good and most folks stick their meat thermometer in the thickest part of the turkey which is what you're supposed to do and once it gets to 165 they're like yay my turkey's done well your turkey's done but your stuffing is probably probably not not. Um, so you know safety wise I would just put it in a pan and Mm -hmm. you can call it stuffing if you want to Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh, that's going to be the safest way to to prepare that now definitely stuff your bird with things I stuff it with onions and Mm -hmm. lemons and herbs and all that kind of stuff that's going to perfume the meat and give you lots of good flavor without adding calories and salt and fat and all that kind Mm -hmm. of good stuff but leave the uh, the bread out out of the bird uh, and just serve it on the side what are some other ways we can have a lightened up holiday meal well, you know, 
it's hard to lighten a lot of our favorite recipes. They're all going to be calorie laden. And we all tend to put a lot more on our plate during Thanksgiving than we do the rest of the year. I know in my family, when I got to Thanksgiving, they had the extra large chinette plates. Yeah, the oval ones. Yes, that I could eat off that plate for three meals, literally. So you have to be real careful of how much you put on your plate. I, you know, I have my favorites. And as long as I can have my favorites, I don't even have to have a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I just put a small spoonful of the things that I really like. You know, mashed potatoes and gravy, I can have that anytime. But we don't make dressing all the time. And we don't necessarily have, you know, green bean casserole or sweet potato casserole and things like that all during the year. So I try to get a small spoonful of each of my favorites and the things that I can have anytime, I try to just walk away from those mm-hmm. and because I can have them anytime. So if you're going to have dressing, don't have potatoes and gravy. And if you're, you know, going to have potatoes and gravy are your thing, then, then go for it. Go for it. Exactly. But, you know, balance it out the other way. Don't have one of every dessert. <laughs> right. <laughs> what your favorite dessert is. Right. You know, or do like my husband and I do. We get a thin sliver of each of the two pies that we like and we share them. Mm-hmm. And as long as I can have a bite or two of my favorites, then I'm okay with that. I don't have to have a whole piece of anything. Another thing you can do is try to lighten up some of Mm -hmm. your recipes. You know, a typical green bean casserole that has, you know, the condensed soup in it and all of that is about 200 calories for a half cup serving. Instead of doing that, I like to just get the frozen green beans that you can steam in the bag in your microwave. And then I just saute in a little bit of butter and olive oil, some shallots or some onions, a little garlic and uh, some mushrooms for extra flavor. And then after the steamed beans come out, I throw those in the pot and stir them in. And right before I serve it, I deglaze the pan with a little bit of maple-flavored balsamic vinegar. Mm -hmm. It gives it a little sweet touch. And they're way delicious and don't have any of those bad ingredients Mm -hmm. that a green bean casserole has. So if I eat that instead of regular green bean casserole, I don't feel so guilty about eating the cornbread dressing, which is like my favorite holiday thing. That and candied sweet potatoes. You know, that's what I grew up with my grandma doing. And my grandma is not here anymore. And I crave her candied sweet potatoes. And if if she was here, I would definitely have some of those. Probably. (laughs) But just like you said, it's about uh, portion control and going do, is this something that I look forward to every year or am I just putting it on my plate because it's here? It's there. Right. You know, just because things are served buffet style doesn't mean you have to have some everything. of everything. You know, pick your favorites. And then what we talked about with our group that we're doing our our maintain, not gain program with mm-hmm. um, mindful eating. Yes. Like, don't just shovel the food in your mouth like actually think about what you're eating and enjoy it enjoy the flavor enjoy the texture enjoy how it looks and how it smells and slow down and Uh you know you don't want to have just blown through your favorite and not even not even remember it yeah and a good way to do that think about the holidays as a time with family and friends and it might be family and friends that you only see at the holiday time so when you take a bite put your fork down and have some conversation Conversation with the people that you don't get to see that often. And that's a way to slow down. And then most importantly, when you get full, just 
push yourself away. Right. Don't um, just and I keep, have trouble yeah. with that, but I've learned that I can just put a piece of foil over that plate and I can have it later that day. Yeah. I don't have to throw it away. I can have some more later and not be miserable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you mentioned the plates and most most families do go overboard and get those big um, oval plates. We often uh, get the plates that have the dividers in it. Yes. But where we see folks go wrong is they put all the starchy stuff yes. in that big side. Yes. Um, the big side should go for those things like your green beans that you're talking yes. about. Salad, tur- turnip greens, and that kind of stuff. And the little smaller areas are the things that are going to be more calorie dense, um, like yes. your sweet potatoes or your mashed potatoes mm-hmm. and gravy or things like that. You can still have them just smaller portions and enjoy them. So that hour went by quick and we had a lot of great callers and a lot of great information about how to live um, a happy holiday season. I thank uh, Dr. Leisha Lee for being on the show with me today. It's always great when you're here. And I thank our listeners and our callers and I hope that you have a happy and a healthy holiday season. And thank you for listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.